Good to see you, Lorena. You too. Not man. that I. Yes, no, I can. You've looked up. You're I, there. <laughs> I just sit up in my chair. It's my posture. Reading your notes. Oh, just reading my copious amounts of notes. We have dispatched Lorena and um, oh, God. Silent Bob I mean, immediately. Two at once. I get the two of you confused. Mm. It's not ideal. We have dispatched Silent Bob. We're all just numbers to you, aren't we, man? <laughs> <laughs> the day was sure to come. Are we here? <laughs> feedback. Feedback. <laughs> Anyway, they're coming, Lorena. Shush, shush, hide. Ready. All right, so Janelle is back. She has carried our de- our guest, not our desk, <laughs> she's carried our guest up the stairs. We've got her on the furniture she's removal now. She's possibly carrying desks. I mean, what else would she do? Strong. You know, she's a busy, busy Strong, woman. Um, and who has she brought to us today, Lorena? She has brought, elegantly, not like you carry a desk, Belinda McPhee, the Managing Director of Track HR Consulting. Oh, well done, Lorena. Welcome, Thank you. Bea. Thank you. Hello, ladies. Hello. Very exciting. It is very exciting. Thanks for joining us. She was great carrying me up the stairs, by the way. <laughs> she's a strong was it woman. It, it was very pleasant. <laughs> and she's had her nap too, so oh, yeah, she's always good. a little better after she's rested. <laughs> we call her Silent Bob. <laughs> because I said I said at one point that she didn't want. I oh, know that we didn't give her a microphone, and then she said, "I don't want a microphone." <laughs> However, when we went to Perth, she jumped on the microphone. Oh. So Silent Bob no longer. Mm, quite um, achiever. Yeah, mm-hmm. she is. Well. <laughs> the achievement bit is quite questionable. Bit. We'll think about. Oh. Anyway, back to you, Belinda. Mm, I'm sure you. you didn't come here to hear all about us. <laughs> That's fine. Um, tell us where you are at the moment and what yes. you do, because it has that big word consulting in there. It does. That's right. Tell us all about it. So I'm the managing director of a HR consulting business called Track HR. Mm-hmm. So Track HR does work predominantly in the retail space, but okay. we also do work with FMCG mm-hmm. and other consulting businesses. So um, it's quite a varied and interesting and boutique group of mm-hmm. clients that we have. Mm-hmm. And so I've been doing that now for just over five years with a small team. Oh, goodness gracious. <laughs> um, what is the small team? Oh. Small team. So there's myself and four others. Okay. Had to count then. That's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. As long as you know their names, we're okay. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so tell us the sorts of consulting you would do. Yeah, that's right. Very, very good question. So it varies from everything from HR director level secondments for mm-hmm. companies mm-hmm. to HR outsourcing projects, um, actually going in and doing HR audits for companies. So when owners, private equity, um, organisations say, what's the health of our HR? Can you do an independent check? Mm. For two reasons. They either don't have in-house HR or they're not particularly... um, uh, I'm trying to be polite in terms of how I phrase it. <laughs> There's no need to be polite. <laughs> I won't be polite. No capability. Um, if, if they're concerned about the capability yeah. and competency of their existing HR team. Mm. So they might actually bring a, a different point of view mm. in terms of looking at the health of yeah. um, the people element of their organisation. How interesting. Yeah. I think that's all right to, you know, have someone come in and audit your HR team. Yeah, I hate, I hate right. to think what would have happened to me in the past. <laughs> mm. But that's one of the things, right? You get, yeah. as a team, yes. quite into what you're doing and quite into, into your company and Absolutely. you lose some of that perspective. So do, I guess it, it actually can be quite liberating to be told, you do this, okay, this bit here. That's I mean, exactly right. Yeah, and it's interesting because I think particularly as it relates to the HR teams that are in place that we go in and do some work with, we predominantly find that there's quite an insular 
focus mm. and, and they might be very focused on what's happening um, from a business perspective, which is great, mm. but they actually lose sight of whether the HR work they're actually doing is actually adding value. Mm. And and not only adding value, are they doing all the basics in terms of all the compliance and all the necessary, you know, checks and balances that have to be in place mm. to protect, you know, the owners and the shareholders and um, everyone else within the organisation. So, yeah, it's quite interesting. And, and certainly we don't feel like we're going in there to check up on them. We're yeah. certainly wanting to help provide them with some guidance and direction in terms of this is the stuff you're doing really well and keep on doing it and this is the stuff that's not where it should be. You might yep. want to strengthen. And yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Do absolutely. you get engaged then by the HR <clears throat> team or is it typically the owner or the... It's typically the owner yeah. or the CEO of an organisation, but there has been occasions when a HR, you know, senior manager has reached out mm. um, for some overflow support. And I think because they know that myself and my team actually don't want to go back in-house and mm. we don't want their job. Mm. So that that fear factor of, you know, someone's actually going to come in and wants to take over from me is so quite... It's not there. It's mitigated. Yeah. So, um, you know, we, we like to say where we add value, we go in, we help, we transfer knowledge, we educate the team and then we back out. And the mm. success of how well we do a job is our ability to back out mm. and then leave them to be self-sufficient. Yeah, yeah. And then tap back in for new projects when they need to rather than build dependency. Yeah, right. So that's um, that's the model. Yeah. Because that was one of uh, mm. the difficulties I've had over the years as an old mm. lady is, <laughs> you know, people come in and they'll say, you know, we can do this for your business mm. and within five seconds they're like, so get me in front of the CEO and I can do that. Yes. And, of course, as secure as you would be, your first thought is, but but what? Like yes. why am I suddenly out of the picture, Correct. you know? And so that's a really unnerving way to do things. Absolutely. But it sounds like you you try to avoid that. Yeah, without a doubt. And I think one of the things that I did when I set up the business was I actually thought about exactly what you said me and what did I dislike about consultants that I had dealt with mm. in the past. And the reality is we can't do everything all the time as HR in-house HR practitioners due to either, you know, capacity issues or capability issues within the team. Yeah. And so again, the whole reason of going in isn't to replace those people, but it's to, to try to make them look good yeah. in terms of being a support. So what's really important for me when I go in, particularly if I've been engaged by a CEO or an owner, yeah. is to work really closely with the HR lead person, whoever that might be, to make sure they feel really comfortable and actually trust the fact that yeah. the agenda is to help them yeah. fulfil the brief of whoever's briefed us, yeah. um, but to make them feel you know, protected and safe and, and have that trusting relationship yeah. so that, again, you can step out but make them feel good and, and allow them to be vulnerable. Yes. To say, look, actually, I don't know what I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> can you help right. me? Yeah, that's right. Help with that. So it's quite rare to get that. And when I was in a senior lead HR roles, that's what I missed from the people that I was dealing with. Yes. Right? And so, again, when the business model was set up and when I did the SWAT, that was certainly what I came up with to say, I, I, I'm actually not going to replicate that. Mm. Yeah. So, Clever. Yeah, and it's been, it's been a really good model, which has been great. And so what's themes, you know, that you're going into to companies? Is it sort of, you know, boost up the foundation stuff you spoke a bit about, sort of compliance yeah. and things before? Or is it sort of... Uh, specialty? What, what's the sort of stuff yeah, that's it, common? It, it, it would depend on the business and where the business is at. So, yeah. for example, some work we've done internationally with um, some new retail entrants into the market. So, for example, Sephora. When, oh, yes. When Sephora came to Australia, they had resources based in Hong Kong and Singapore. Yep. And they wanted to globalise all of their global LVMH, um, HR policies and practices, and actually, um, I guess, make them applicable to an Australian environment. Right. So we basically took their global stuff and mm. localised it for Australian retail conditions, but 
above and beyond that, made sure that there was, you know, a, that they were a step up in terms of their employment brand mm. and everything else that they needed to do to be attractive within the, within the retail marketplace within Australia. And one of the things Lorena and I are doing mm. through these podcasts is expanding our vocabulary. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which, however, we're also constricting it. So if anyone <laughs> says the word journey, you will find above you is a big bucket of cold water oh, and it falls on you. Beautiful. <laughs> and given electricity around, it's probably not a safe <laughs> outcome. Uh, you used a word and I had absolutely no idea what it meant. And yeah. then you went to explain it, but could we have it again? Of course. So I used the word glocalize. Okay. And Talk so, us through it. And so I try to keep things quite simple. So, yes. so glocalization is basically taking something that's global that's coming from, I call it the mothership, so the the head office from a particular market. So typically that's usually from the US or from Asia. Um, You know, usually it's not from Australia. And then applying that to local conditions. So if it's something that's obviously culturally heavily based from a people perspective with an Asian culture, taking that and obviously making sure that it's an Australian-based, you know, language Mm. and culture, tone of voice, all of that type of thing in terms of the people practices. So you've heard it today, new words. This is new. And I think in our book... Localisation. In our book that's coming out, which is called (laughs) Glocalisation by me and and Lorena, um, we're going to make a shit of Glocalising HR. (laughs) Yeah. You've nailed it. So (laughs) can I just cut to the chase on this consulting gig? (laughs) Let's do it. Um, A dime a dozen would be one word to say. A lot of HR people. Yes. um, And perhaps sometimes I see them come yes. back into yes. the work, you know, you know, into a corporate role mm-hmm. because they've been out for a couple of years yes. and so forth. Um, what's the secret to getting it right? Because I think a lot of people want to do it and mm. I respect that. It's great from sometimes work-life balance yes. or variety or what have you. Yes. But there are a lot of people that maybe give it a go and ranges of success. Definitely. You clearly have been successful and we know yeah. that. That's why we've got you here. Yeah. But... What what makes you successful, whereas perhaps the yeah few others not? It's interesting because through some of the consulting that I do, I indirectly help companies recruit for HRDs, yep. all levels of HR talent, and I yep. also see a lot of consultants wanting to come back in yep. to the workforce. We have a joke. We call it from the dark side to the light side. <laughs> right. <laughs> in terms of which is the dark? Yeah. Uh, well, I'd say it's probably consulting. Me. Really? Oh, really? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> The other side. But to answer your question, I think the success is that you don't have to do it. It's because Mm. you want to do it. Yeah. Right. And so a lot of HR professionals consult because they find it hard at a particular moment within their career to find a role. Yep. And so they decide that this is something that they might do because it looks easy and it sounds fun and I'll just go and do something to someone. Mm. Yep. And so a lot of what consulting is is doing something to someone, to a company, to, you know, a team or whatever it might be. And so I think the difference for myself and my team is we truly love what we do. Mm. We don't have to do it. Mm. We want to do it. We end up getting a lot of offers from our cons- uh, companies that we consult with to obviously partner Come and, and work actually work them. for them. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I think the secret of our success and the enjoyment factor is we truly love what we do. Yeah. And, and and I think the difference is when you contribute to a business because you feel that trust and it's the most amazing gift that they trust you yeah. and allow you to have multiple clients, yes. sometimes in competing yeah. spaces. Yeah, right. The reason they let you do that is because they have a high trust factor yeah. that you have their interests 
first and foremost rather than your own. Yeah. And so it's not just you're playing with something that's going to make you look good because you want that project on your portfolio yep. and you want to say, I'm the person that did this, that or the other for a particular company. It's actually beyond that. Yeah. It's you, you want to do something meaningful and purposeful yep. for that business which in return makes you feel good, makes yeah. you successful and your team successful. And then 95% of all of our work is referral. Right. Yeah. And 85% of our work is repeat business. Yeah, right. For that reason. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, I hope that answers the question. Yeah, it yeah. does. Have, you, have you ever been offered the job? Yes. Tell us about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you w- just say, do you just come out with some supermodel line if I don't get out of bed for <laughs> That's a very funny question. Um, so the answer is yes. And I, I'm completely transparent with them to say, I love what I do. Mm. I feel like I've got a gift to be with your organisation and a number of others. I've got an amazing team that I work with. Yeah. I've built the business to where it is today. And for, in order for me to step away from that and take an in-house role, yeah. I actually don't think that would be right for me. Yeah. And the other thing is I love the, and my team, we love the variety of the different projects. You yep. can be doing anything from, you know, auditory compliance stuff because of a, um, you know, upcoming IPO mm-hmm. or something like that for for a company on one extreme, or you could be doing, you know, we're running assessment centres for a client right. um, this week as an example. Right. So it can be, you know, quite high level work and it can be quite, you know, almost entry level work yeah. where it's a lot of fun and enjoyable and keeps you current because you're actually hands on. Yeah. You're not just doing something to someone. When you, when particularly for the secondment based roles, when myself and my team go in, mm. we're still we're still a practitioner, yeah. HR practitioner. You're in it. We're yeah. in it. Yeah. And so we know, you know, what's going to fly and what's not going to fly. Yeah. Because it's all well and good to say, oh, I think you should do this. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. But it's harder to bring it to life and make it work. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so, sure that gives you credibility mm. too, oh, rather than doubt. just yeah assessing. That's right, because it's, you know, you've got to eat the dog food, so to yeah. speak, because you say... <laughs> I love that expression. Because yeah. you say, oh, I think you need to do this, and they go, that's great. Can you do it for us? Yeah. Got to be able to do it for yeah. them. <laughs> so otherwise it would have zero credibility. Yeah. yeah. But you haven't always been in <clears throat> consulting, have you? No, no. So I decided to consult, um, it would have been about six and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. And what made you make the jump in the first place? It was interesting. A really good friend of mine um, runs his own recruitment business and he had um, predominantly in the fashion and um, wholesale retail space. And he'd had a lot of clients saying, look, we need some HR support. Can you suggest some support that might assist? So naturally there's the recruitment avenue. But he realised that there was uh, some real space in the market for specialised HR consulting. Mm -hmm. And so I was working in-house for an organisation. I was pregnant um, with my second child. I was staring down the barrel of having two children under two. Mm -hmm. And corporate life sometimes doesn't support that. Mm -hmm. And so I had fortunately worked with some amazing entrepreneurs throughout my um, career. And I guess I took the gamble to say, you know what? Mm. I want to do something. Just yeah. Do it. Yeah. So that's how it all came about. Yeah. So whilst I was um, having, you know, baby number two, I was doing, you know, my business plan and my whole, wow. you know, um, prospect of potential clients. I was yeah. reviewing other consulting business, what I like, what I didn't like, building my team yep. in the background. And then, yeah, it just evolved. Yeah. <laughs> so, and it certainly evolved a lot quicker than we had anticipated. Yeah, that's fantastic. Which is a good problem to have. Yeah. Oh, it's a wonderful problem to yeah. have. And prior, so mm. tell us about the roles mm. that you have done because yeah, I think there's a there's a lot to learn from there as well. Yeah, of course, and, definitely. And, and I think I think one of the things you've talked about is, you know, the right way to treat a HR director, you know, because you've been there. Correct. And that in, 
that adds a hell of a lot. So, you know, if we were talking and yes. you said, look, it's okay, we can build trust and I yeah. will support you and I won't, and I'll say, well, how the hell would you know this? And you say, well, here are the roles I've done. Yeah, that's right. Which must add a hell of a lot it to does. the conversation. It does, definitely. So yeah. where have you been? We know, but uh, <laughs> yes. Silent well, Bob has no idea and we need to... Got to tell Silent Bob. Bob to focus it. I've, I've been around Silent Bob. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so in terms, I'll talk about in-house roles. It's probably yes. a good place to start. So before I ventured into the world of the dark side of consulting, as we would mm-hmm. say. Um, mm-hmm. I was the general manager of human resources for an apparel business called a, now called APG & Co, yep. which was previously called Apparel Group. Yep. So Apparel Group was a wholesale and retail business that has brands such as Sportscraft, Saba, um, previously had a brand called Willow, and has a very successful private label business that sells into other successful Australian retail businesses, such right. as Maya, Suzanne Group, etc., oh, yeah, etc. And so I did that role for nearly five years. Mm-hmm. And um, part of the remit for the role, it was um, both domestic and also international. So yes. they had a um, an office based in Hong Kong, uh, which was, you know, a buying office. And they also had um, a office in Shanghai. So a lot of the team members within Shanghai were dealing, you know, with garment production type of responsibilities. And so the challenge for me from a HR perspective was how to again, ensure HR was supported in China, Mm. in line with all the China, unique China labour law requirements Mm. and cultural requirements and more importantly, business requirements. What were the requirements in Hong Kong? What were the requirements within Australia? So uh, the team was structured to be able to support that. Um, So that was um, what I did prior to the consulting business. Prior Mm -hmm. to that role, I was the head of HR for Foxtel, Mm -hmm. which is a subscription television business and um, and I did that role for nearly four years mm. and a part of that role Foxtel's a very unique multi-dimensional business and they actually have um, joint venture partners that actually don't have the ability to have their own HR so part of what the HR role was at Foxtel was not only supporting HR for the Foxtel organization but for some of their joint venture partners as well which was a little taste of consulting to a certain yes, respect of because course. it was a revenue yeah. um, centre in terms of we were charging out those clients and therefore getting money into the HR budget to then fund for a whole host of activities with a team that liked to spend a lot of HR budget. (laughs) So... Great. Yes. Yeah, so so um, that was Foxtel. And then prior to that, I was the national HR manager for Vodafone. So Vodafone mm. being a telecommunications um, organisation, again, multidimensional business. Um, I was primarily focused on the retail, wholesale, consumer, business, government selling side. Right. So that was the primary focus of what I was doing within that role. But I also had a great secondment managing internal communications as a part of um, uh, that role, which was great. And then I also did some projects across the organisation, which gave me experience with engineering, IT, and other areas that which actually then came in handy for Foxtel yeah, <laughs> when I moved yeah. across from, from telco to, um, to subscription television. So... When you're at home and you're yes. on your phone watching your free Foxtel and wearing <laughs> your sexy outfits that you've been, <laughs> yes. you've done very well on the perks front. I'm just yeah, tracking the, it through and going, perks that's front's not bad. outstanding, I must say. <laughs> See, I worked at Seek for quite some time and there's not much you can do with discount <laughs> online ads. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You can't take them home. You can't wear them. No one, regrettably. You regrettably. can't even eat them. Tip for young players. Check, yeah. the, check what check, the products check are the first. Check the product first. And, exactly. Um, with all of that experience mm. that you have, yes. 
and now applying it into consulting and mm. then now getting into so many different companies through yes. through a HR lens. What do you, it's not a loaded question, we mm. want to know, what, what do you think of the HR industry? You know, the mm. ha, has it changed? Is it yep. getting better? Is it getting worse? This whole seat at the table business, mm. is that yeah. happening? What's your view? Look, it's very interesting because, again, I have the wonderful ability to see it from the inside when I'm on secondment yes. as an acting HR director and then also when I am asked by my clients to recruit HR talent. Yeah, yeah. Plus also recruiting my own HR talent for my own business. So That's I right. kind of see it from three different lenses. And I think what I've seen in terms of industry trends, that what organisations have tried to do is to reduce, I guess, some of the budget and overhead and spend and the composition of the HR team. So okay. HR teams, in my experience, um, are getting smaller. Mm. And certainly what they're doing with roles is certainly rather than having a natural level setting of, you know, you go in as a HR assistant and you go to a HR consultant officer yep. and you, you, you make your way up to manager, you know, senior manager, director, um, you know, in that particular order. Mm. And then obviously having all the, all the specialisations that go with that, what's happening is some of those specialisations are morphing into generalist roles. Right. Mm. And so people, are, HR talent is being asked to do more mm. okay. um, rather than having someone to be a particular specialist in a particular area. So if you use comp and bends yep. as an example, yep. so rather than having a dedicated comp and bends specialist, there is an increasing expectation that the HR generalist will actually be able to pick up comp and bends uh, experience and operate in and do that work as a generalist. Mm. So I see that the breadth of the specialisations is shrinking mm -hmm. and that people are being increasingly asked to be more of a generalist than a specialist. So that's one trend that I'm seeing. Yeah. What, what impact do you think that's having? Uh, look, I, th I think it's having an impact um, in terms of it's, it's again, it almost homogenises the HR talent within the industry. Yeah. So you've got so many like-for-like like HR generalists mm. that you miss those special people that have that deep specialisation yeah. within a particular area. Right. So, and because people are too busy to take a, you know, uh, an enormous amount of time to specialise in one particular subject area. Mm. And so they're asked to being, you know, everything to all people and that's probably watering down. Yeah, that's so what I was thinking. Perhaps that after effect is a mm. dilution then. Without you know, a doubt. You know the basics, but you never have time to deep reach much deeper. Correct. Yeah. So there's that trend. And then the other trend is around the levels, is the condensing of the levels. Yeah. So I've seen a number of organisations decide that they don't want to have a HR director. Right. That they'll have a very capable senior HR manager and they might outsource some director responsibilities. Oh, right which is great for yes. a consulting business. Yeah. Yes. Um, but what the, and, and then what that's meant for compression around levels, HR salary and people in the market is as you've got emerging talent being promoted and you've got a whole lot of talent sitting in a particular area mm. that there suddenly becomes an oversupply of yeah. senior talent, which then dilutes salary yeah. Yeah. Right. and demand at yeah. that level. And so I certainly, from a recruitment perspective, have situations where I've got people that might have been, you know, 300 plus K HRDs mm. that have come back to say, actually, I'll take the 200 K role. Yeah. And then those people that would typically be in that 200K space say, actually, I'll take the 150K roles. Right. So, yeah, it definitely has a flow and effect. And then the other thing, um, again, from an organisational structure perspective, there's probably more reliance, um, certainly on other cross-functional areas, such as finance talent, mm. to be able to 
do some of the compliance elements yeah. under their risk and governance portfolio, yep. yeah. right. which might flow into HR. Yeah. And so that, that also then dilutes... Mm. you know, I, I guess some of the roles and, yeah. and some of the career options within the industry. And so, yeah, it, it, I think it's quite interesting. And so from an observer's perspective and, and being in it, I actually think it's quite sad that yeah. some of that deep specialisation is going and therefore the talent and the entrepreneurialism and the um, the ability to make stuff happen mm. across all the different facets of how you manage people and culture within an organisation mm. is starting to water down over time. So what does... HR, uh, conscious mm, of time and your time, course. but what what does HR do then? You know, like one model sitting in my head because I like to solve problems yes. immediately is, <laughs> is, well, yes, fine, let's downsize and let's, yeah. as an industry, promote these specialists to become consulting houses yes. in their specialty. Because one of the things that frustrates me, you go to deep specialist consulting houses that have never been in HR. That's right. And so they, yeah, they get it, but yes. they don't know how to implement That's it. That's exactly right. Is that a model or mm. or do we actually just push back on the industry and go, no, you've got it wrong? Yeah. What's the – I mean, we can't solve it today. No, but... no. I, I certainly think what's not going to go away is the pressures around the cost of doing business yeah. and yep. commercialisation. And yep. where HR as a profession has let itself down is by not being overly commercial yep. in terms of how it supports a business. So as a result of that, HR tends to do some of the compliance-based, mm. transactional-based activities, which are very important to an organisation. Sure. You know, certainly don't get me wrong on that. But um, then as a result, I see the model as being some of the foundational um, day-to-day operational stuff that a business needs. Those yep. roles will still exist, but yep. I think there will be another model where there'll be deep specialisations that will exist outside of an organisation yeah. that will then be in some sort of consulting model. Mm. Yeah, it makes sense. That's how mm. I see that work. Makes perfect sense. Mm. Yeah. Um, one last question, if you don't mind, is... You know, somebody's sitting here on a train mm. listening to you yes. and thinking, oh, this all sounds amazing and yes. I want to do everything she has just said. Yes. And however, I'm currently, you know, either in a role, I've yes. just got into a role and I, I haven't studied HR or I'm yes. studying HR. What are some thoughts from you on how do I direct myself some free career advice? Yeah, well, what I would certainly do from a professional working perspective is take the opportunity at some stage in their early career to do a line role. Right. Mm. To actually have responsibility for managing a large team of people outside of the HR function. Yep. To get some credibility around because when they're, you know, in-house partnering with um, their teams that they're looking after from a HR perspective, when you've actually managed large teams of people yourself, yep. you can empathise and yeah. you've got credibility around, well, not only am I preaching to you what my, what I've learned in my profession, but I've actually done it myself. Yes. So yes. I empathise with you. I've been there and I've done that. Yeah. So I think that would certainly be one element that I would recommend. I'd yeah. certainly recommend them doing some sort of financial study yeah. in terms of whether it's finance for non-financial managers mm-hmm. or doing, um, if it's you know postgraduate study, picking up some type of accounting finance, business um, type of um, formal education, I think Mm -hmm. is very, very helpful. Mm -hmm. And certainly from a HR perspective, um, again, I would ensure that they find uh, uh, some great mentors Mm. to partner with. Such as Lorena and myself. Such as I was just about about to say, it's (laughs) the talents right here in the room. Um, (laughs) It was very nice of me to throw Lorena in there, don't you? (laughs) It was very nice. It was so tempting to say myself. That'll probably be edited out when it goes there. So true. Too funny. So, yes, so that's what I would suggest. Yes, yeah. good advice. Mm. 
Thank you. Thank you. It's ladies. um, it's pretty exciting to get someone of your calibre here, to be honest, Thank because you. Um, people like you, I am finding out, don't mm. speak at conferences oh. and don't get out there very much, and so people don't know. Fascinating. I know. It's amazing. The more and more... HR directors with yes. these big careers that I get to speak to. Yes. I sort of say, so what, you know, do you, you're on the conference circuit or what have you? And they're like, well, I'm actually quite busy. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I see that, that now. Yes. yes. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, so we don't get the access. So yeah. thank you. Yeah. Pleasure. Really thank nice you. of you to go through. And I think you're, um, you've taught me a hell of a lot today. There's a lot of insights there that we might start targeting in some of these bobcasts as well. Wonderful. Great idea. And, and about I, the future and, of HR. Thank you, Mina. And I just want, um, in your localisation book, I just want one yes. credit to mention, if that's okay. <laughs> You're so, asking a bit there, but well, we'll there. see what we can do. We'll see what we can do. It will be published in many languages. So perhaps Fantastic. I can... Fantastic. <laughs> in Mandarin. the French version. Yeah. <laughs> that's when I do the Martian version. You can be in that one. Wonderful. Thank and you. I'll find someone to sell it to. Beautiful. <laughs> we'll put you on the cover. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> All right. Thank wonderful. You, thank you, Belinda. Thank you for your time. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. 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 Now, that was a coup. It was. You did very well. Oh, so did you, Lorena. Mm. What part of me did you like the most? <laughs> well, actually just arranging for Belinda to be here in the first place oh, was an I impressive see. coup. Yep. No, that's good. But then good. you handled it with plomb. Oh, plomb. <laughs> You're back with the plomb. Oh, plomb. Uh, Silent Bob did a lot of work there. Yes. We should give her some credit. Well, She'll get all grumpy Silent and sook and won't speak to us. <laughs> um, oh, she's silent, so it won't make any difference. <laughs> <laughs> it's beautiful. <laughs> Another sensitive moment with Lorena and me, and um, there was a lot in that. Uh, I think we're going to cover some of that in future episodes as well. Yeah, I think we should. Not only that, we learned a new word. Glocalize. That's it. Yeah. Um, thank you, Lorena. Thank you, me. We are going to head off now, and um, our website. Our website. Bobco- uh, Bobcom. Mm-hmm. Mm. Bob Group. Dot com dot au <laughs> mm-hmm. and um, a mouthful it is and feel free to go on there and leave us some uh, feedback or put your name down and be part of the merry merry bob bandwagon revolution <laughs> evolution revolution mm-hmm. all right thank you Lorena yet again it has thank been a joy you. and a pleasure it has been goodbye goodbye bye Silent Bob she's waving. <laughs>